This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. In today's message, we walk through our series on worship. What is it? How do we do it? Why do we do it? We all worship something, even if our worship looks like constantly catering to ourselves. However, if you ever want to enjoy the life you were made to enjoy, you've got to choose to get your mind off everything else and on to what it was truly meant to worship, God. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Now, let's take a listen to the message. Everybody up to speed without actually going over everything that we've covered. I want to do the story about Sam and Steve. Sam, and I might be done changing their names around since I did it the first time, but you'll get the gist of it. Sam got up on Sunday morning. He came to church. He came into the church. He heard the music. He mumbled along the words. And when the prayer was prayed, Sam bowed his head and closed his eyes. When the giving came across, Sam came up and put in what he felt like he wanted to give. And when the message was preached, Sam listened respectfully. At the end of the service, Sam got up, he greeted a few people, he left, and he went home. Steve, on the other hand, came to worship. When Steve got up that morning, he sat down and he prayed to God on what he would have him to give in the service. When Steve got to church, Steve listened to the songs and in his mind he began to, when he heard the words, he began to imagine how good and awesome and great Jesus was. He allowed the music to cause him to imagine and see the beauty of God in the service. When the prayer was prayed, Steve not only bowed his head, but he listened to the words and he started to think on his own life. And while the, pray, the prayer was being prayed, Steve was in his heart praying and dealing with what God was dealing with him about in his own heart. And when the message was preached, he listened intently, but he was listening for the voice of God. He was waiting for God to correct him and reprove him and to show him some things about himself. At the end of the service, Steve got up and he walked out and he went and greeted some people and he encouraged those people with the word that he had heard himself from God. Steve came to worship. Sam came to church. So my question to you is, did you come to worship or did you come to church? See, over the, over the years, all of us have been taught. We were all raised before we were saved. So there's a lot of things that we know about church, a lot of things that we know about worship, a lot of things that we have heard, we have seen, we have been taught that we think should be a part of worship and think that's what we should do. 
And the truth of the matter is, most of us are wrong. Most of us are wrong. Most of us got it all messed up, and we are not really truly worshiping God like we should. So, we've covered, well, let me, let me just get to the message. Worship-filled preaching, okay? We're going to talk about preaching today. I know everybody's going to say, well, that has nothing to do because I'm not preaching. Yes, it does. It has something to do with you because it has to do with how you view what is actually being done in the worship service and what your part is. Too often we have taken church and made it a, like a concert or a participate, not a participating event, but something that like watching TV. And y'all have, people have thought that it is the preachers, the worship leader, it is their responsibility to motivate you and to fire you up and to make you feel good. How wrong you are. Not our job, not my job. So let's get to what we always cover this screen. Authentic worship is always what? God-centered, Christ-focused, spirit-filled, spirit-led, and we have been looking at the elements of true worship, what it is, what it looks like. We looked at singing, praying, giving, and we're looking at each of these as ingredients and in how they work and how they work together and how they fit and what our part is in these things. What are we to do? What am I supposed to be doing while these things are going on? And today, we're going to look at preaching. So why do we do it? Most people outside the church are critical of this part of the service. Everybody loves the singing, right? Yeah, yeah, everybody loves the singing, everybody loves the music, but when it comes to the preacher, it is somebody that says, why won't this guy shut up? He just gets up and goes on and on and on. Don't he know that I got to go to Walmart and there's some things that I need to do after church. So why won't this guy be quiet? That was, a, that was a, a story I heard about a man was actually doing a wedding. And the lady said that there had never been any preaching about the gospel in that church. So what she asked him to do during the wedding, would he take some time and tell about the goodness of Jesus during the wedding? He said that his son was young at the time and he took it, his wife had to take his son out into, into the foyer. And while they were out in the foyer, the, little, the, the, the photographer was there and the, the photographer engaged the lady. He didn't know who she was, so he started talking to the lady. And he said, he said, ask her how he was doing, was the baby okay, so on and so forth. And then he looked at her and he said, who is this guy? Why won't he shut up? And she said, oh, that's my husband. So, <laughs> you know, and I heard too many people say, I've heard too many people say that the preaching is too long. I, my son told me, he said, Daddy, what you need to do is you got to put it down into little bite-sized pieces so people can digest them. And I said, son, when God calls you, you put yours in bite-sized pieces so God, they can digest them. 
And I'm going to do what I've been called to do. So you, you do it how you do it, and I'm going to do it how I do it. Okay. So the other view of preaching is that the preacher has too much power, and he gets his kick out of telling folks what to do. Is that, you know, like, like, like something's wrong with all of y'all, and I got it going on. Yeah. That's how some folks look at preachers. They look at the preacher like, man, he just, you know. Anyway, and if that's the case, it has no place in a worship service if that's what we're doing. If we understand what preaching is, we need to understand first what we believe about the Bible. And first, we need to understand what is the source of Scripture. What is the source of Scripture? So looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, listen at this, folks. It said, all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for what? Teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Okay? If you forget all the rest of that, don't forget the first sentence. All Scripture is breathed out by God. When you look at the Bible, don't look at it like you do a regular book. This book was breathed out by God, okay? So the Bible is not the word of man about God. It is the word of God to man, okay? It's not these men wrote about God. It is God breathed through these men and told us about him. It is... What God, this is what makes it higher than any other religion. This is what makes it higher. This is what makes it stand alone. Because if it's just, if it's just a man, about a man, a man writing about God, then all of them done that, right? And so we've been told that religion is a personal matter. And what we believe is up to the own, that, that, that individual. It, it has been described to me like ants on an elephant, okay? All those ants are on that elephant, and they are in search for the elephant. They're trying to understand the elephant, okay? Each ant has its own tiny perspective, and at the end of the day, none of the ants really know the elephant. And they all run around with their own little perspective, Trying to, and they never get to know the elephant. But what if the elephant spoke and told the ants, this is my trunk. This is my tusk. These big things on the side of my head are my ears. These are my feet. And what if the elephant told them that I'm in the jungle and I'm on my way and this is the purpose of what I am doing in the jungle? Then every ant would understand the elephant, right? And you know what? What if God, what if, that, what if the God that created the world actually came into the world and told us about himself? Rather than all of us try to figure it out and get our own perspective and run our own way and get in our own little direction and try to figure it out on our own, he came into the world. You know, I look, at the, I look at scripture 
And when I look at scripture, you know, we have a tendency to think that God is father. And he is. But do you know why he used that term? Because we understood it. If God were to describe himself in heavenly language, we wouldn't even know what he was talking about. That's why when he said, I'm like a mountain, he said that. Why? Because you've seen a mountain. When, I'm, when I hide myself behind the mountain, you can understand that. But he's bigger than a mountain. So don't look at him like he's a mountain. When he, when he talks about he's water, he said that because you know the effects and the need and the desire for water. So he's putting it in a language where you can comprehend it. But he's bigger than that. He's more than that. So he came into the world and he told us about himself. So that is what the Bible claims and that is what we believe. We as Christian people should have the greatest respect for the Jewish people. Because that's who God chose to bring the message about him into the world to, so that we could get, get it and understand it. Those were the people that made the ultimate sacrifice and paid the greatest price that was ever paid. Okay, So we should have the utmost respect for him. This is who he, God revealed to speak the, the language. And God has breathed out his word through the prophets and apostles and that's what sets the Bible apart from any other religion. No other religion can say that their God breathed their word to them. Their Muhammad is written by men about Muhammad. Buddha is written by men about Buddha. The Bible is written by men, breathed by God, and it came from God. That's what sets it apart. That's what makes it different, okay? So, and that's why our teachers, they can rebuke us, they instruct us, they bring us to the right path and information about God. And this information equips us to live a life that is pleasing to God. That's the purpose of what we do, okay? If the Bible is written by men, then it needs to be in the hall of history. We can put it in the history book, and anybody, a, a college professor, could teach you about it. But it's not written by men. We believe that it came from God. But if it is God's unchanging word to every culture, our destiny is determined by how we respond to the word of God. And what we believe about its source will determine our destiny. Now, so... Secondly, we want to we want to believe we want, we want to look at what we believe about its power. Okay, Hebrews chapter four, verse twelve. Now, I like it that that first sentence is isolated from the rest of it because that's important. It's that for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning. Listen, folks, the first and the last sentence say it all for me. Discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Okay? First it says what? The word of God is what? Please don't ever look at the Bible as a dead book. Don't ever look at it as a dead book. I promise you, I promise you this. If you will pick the Bible up in faith and you will ask God to speak to you through that Bible, I promise you, before you put it down, 
God will speak a word to you. I promise you he will. I promise you he will. And notice what it says too. It is discerning what? The thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You might be able to fool us, but you can't ever fool God. Never. Okay? So, the Bible, much more than a source book of information, it is life-changing power. Let me ask this question. Let me ask this question. Just anybody. Has the word of God in any way changed your life? And it means that the Holy Spirit uses, it's, it's the means that the Holy Spirit used to, to bring change in our lives. And remember what I said, that, 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 that the word, that worship is what? God, God-centered, Christ-focused, and it should be what? Spirit-led or spirit-filled, okay? So the preaching should be the same way. It should be the same way. It should be the exact same way. And the Holy Spirit, while this is going on, the Holy Spirit should be working in this church, okay? When it's received by faith, guess what happens? It'll bear fruit in your life. It will bear fruit in your life. The Bible is alive. It speaks to me. But guess what? It don't always feel good, does it? Not always comfortable. That's why it's called a two-edged sword, because it cuts in and it cuts out. Anybody ever been in church and you felt uncomfortable? You felt like you're talking about me? Those who laugh and are guilty. Yeah, don't look around. You don't want, they don't want you to look at them and see them. But those that are laughing, they're guilty. They, Sister Wanda, when she first came to this church, Sister Wanda, when she first came to this church, I didn't know what she was talking about when she walked up to me and said these words. She said, I needed my helmet on today. And I was like, helmet? What is she talking about? She said, you beat me all across my head today. And without knowing, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, what people do. Matter of fact, I don't know who he, who's even coming. I don't know who's going to be here. I know who usually come, but I don't know who's coming. And my point is, that's why, really and truly, I don't like for people to talk to me before worship. I don't like people to talk to me before worship. Because a lot of times, if you talk to me and I've already prepared to say something, then you're going to think that I'm saying it because you told me something. I would rather God get in your business without me knowing it. That way you know it's God, okay? Yeah. Anyway. Um, it judges me, it finds me out, and this is what the Bible will do when it is received by faith. Let me ask you this question. You know, why would a person, I said this in one of the, one of the previous messages, why would a person remember the eye chart before they go to the doctor? Why would you remember the eye chart when you go to the doctor? And so when he said, read the fifth line, you can quote it by memory because you don't want him to know that you can't see. You don't want him to know that you, you, you're blind in one eye and can't see out the other. You don't want him to know that. So you memorize the eye chart before you go to the doctor. And when he said, 
read line five, you just read it like it ain't nothing. And then when you get out of there, you pull out in front of a car because you can't see nothing. How many folks, by a show of hands, would consider that to be stupid? So do I. It's the same thing to come to church and pretend like you can see when you can't. To memorize scripture, to, to memorize the way things are done, you know how the program flows, you know when to stand, you know when to sit, you know when to raise your hand, you know when to say amen, you've learned the protocol, but you are still blind. Yeah, you just memorize the chart. When you leave out of here, you can't even walk straight. Yeah, can't talk straight because you have memorized what we're supposed to do. That's not what worship is supposed to do. So let's look at six things from the book of Psalms, Psalms 19, that the word of God will do. Psalms 19, 7, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, doing what? Reviving or converting the soul. We are born again by the living and enduring word of God. Just as a child is conceived in the womb, the word of God is supposed to be conceived in your soul. And it's actually supposed to bring forth something. It's supposed to, it's supposed to be birthed out in you. Folks are supposed to be able to look at you and see that the word is living in you. It's living in you. Not when you just say it. Not when you just talk about it. Not when they just see you coming out of the church doors, but on a day-to-day -day basis, your life should be a testimony that the word has been conceived in you and is living in you and through you because it brings new life, new direction, new energy, new power, new capacity. And you'll be lifted up when you receive it by faith. The next thing the word should do is give you what? Wisdom. Wisdom. Look what it says. It says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I like the way he said that. He said the simple. I would have put making wise the stupid or the ignorant. But he said the simple. That made it sound so much sweeter, didn't it? The simple. Simple. But he's saying you're stupid or you're ignorant or you're, yeah, yeah. So it makes wise the simple. And let me say this to you. The word will show you a path of wisdom, never leads you astray. You can trust. Listen, folks, I'm telling you, you can trust the word of God. But you can't trust your own heart and mind. Think about what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, 9, he said, the heart of man is desperately wicked. Deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know his own heart and mind? Then he went on the bottom and, and said, the Lord said, I, the Lord, search the heart and try the mind. If you think that you can, you know, a lot of folks say, just trust your heart. Think about what God said about your heart now. It's deceitful. In other words, your heart will lead you astray. It's, it's and desperately wicked. One translation said, desperately sick. I can't trust it. 
And how many folks know you can't trust your head? It is so many thoughts going in and out of that thing. Man, if you, try, if you trust your head, I ain't going to tell them where you, you wouldn't be here this morning, I promise you that. So let me ask you this, how many folks head told them to do something else this morning? <laughs> Go to bed, didn't it? Then stay in the bed. Sleep, sleep, yeah, sleep, rest. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of the head, head and body told her not to get up. Because she tried to get in the bounce around yesterday. So her whole head, body, everything said, lie down, thou weary one. Thy head up on the bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have to, we got to let the word shape what? Our thinking, how we think. We got to let the word shape our thinking. If I go by my heart, I'm in a world of trouble. We cannot be led by our heart. We cannot be led by that. The word of God is trustworthy and it is designed to make the simple wise. A word to parents. If you want to shape wisdom in your children, teach them while they are on the knee. Teach them while they're on the knee. This culture is making our children simple. It's dumbing them down, I'm telling you. But the word will wise them up. The word will wise them up. And the next thing is it'll, it'll do, it'll give you joy. It'll give you joy. The precepts of the Lord are right. Bring joy to the heart. Anybody ever read a scripture and got happy about it? Read something and got happy about it because you knew it was for you. If you love a person, you love to listen to them talk. Not all night, you know what I'm saying, but you know, you, you like to hear them talk. You like to hear them talk. You like to hear them talk. You all, we all get to the point where we said, you know, you know. I'm prob I probably shouldn't be saying this because I'm putting my own self in prison, but anyway. <laughs> You know, sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we be pretending like we listen, <laughs> pretending like we listening and shaking our head and nodding our head and we, we praying on the inside, will you just please just be quiet for just a moment, just a moment, just a moment, yeah. My wife, she one of those people, she don't, she don't just think that, she literally tells me, will you please be quiet and go to sleep? <laughs> Will you please stop talking? You are giving me a headache. Yeah. <laughs> you have to know me to understand that. Yeah, you have to understand. You have to know me to understand when, why she say that. Because when I get home at night, I can, be, I, can be, I, can, I can have had the worst night that I've ever had. But... One thing you got to understand about me, my name is Isaac. My name means laughter. It also means son of the covenant. So every night without fail, my witness, I never go to sleep without laughing. Never. Never ever go to sleep without laughing. Most nights I laugh myself to sleep. And when I'm finished laughing, three or four minutes after I'm finished laughing, I'm gone. <laughs> Three or four minutes after I laugh. And not only do I laugh, I'm like a gnat. I'm, 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 I'm irritant. 
So, <laughs> so my second job, the things that help me laugh is to irritate her. So every night when I get home, no matter how bad my day has been, I am going to do what I know irritates her. That makes me laugh, and then I go to sleep. <laughs> Every day without fail. Unless she's already asleep. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if we love somebody, we love to listen to them. How can anybody know that the God of the universe is speaking to you or may speak in a place and we consider that dull or boring. How can that be? Something wrong with us. Next, it brings hope. 19, 8, second part of that verse, he said, The commandment of the Lord is pure, giving light to the eyes. Because sometimes folks feel like they're in absolute darkness, can't see anything, don't know how things are going to work out. But David is telling us, the word is a light source and it will give you hope. I'm telling you, it'll give you hope. I'm telling you, when I was listening to, when I was listening to the, the music today, when I was listening to the song that says, He knows my name, when she got to the part where she said, No giant can defeat me, no mountain can stop me, no battle. Can, no, no, no battle can turn me or whatever it says. Anyway, I, I, I saw all the things that I consider to be giants and realized they cannot defeat me. They cannot defeat me. And, that, and, it, gave, and it, gave me, it gave me some hope because, see, I've been, off, I've been off work for two weeks and I'm dreading going back. Just being honest. But it gave me some hope to face what I got to face and deal with what I got to deal with. So next, it warns us. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. All right now. <laughs> That's my job. That's my job. That's my job. Not my job to laugh now. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Guess what? The word not only points us out to the right direction, it keeps us from what? The wrong direction. It seeks to keep us on the narrow path when everything in me wants to do the wrong thing, go the wrong way. The next thing is, it's a reward. In keeping them, there is great reward, okay? In, listen now, in keeping them, there is great reward. Notice it didn't say there is a reward for keeping them. It is in keeping them. He said, it's, he said it's, like, it's like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He said its fruit shall not wither and everything that it does shall prosper. And it's why? Because I am in the word. Yeah. And the word is in me. I, now every now and then I do the word and I might get a reward for doing it. But I want to be in it so it's just a continual life flow that flows from me. And there is no greater life than we could ever live. If we could ever get to the place where we truly live according to God's word. Okay? It takes the Holy Spirit to bring benefits into the soul of one who believes. 
So how can we experience all of that that comes from the word? The only way we can, if we submit ourselves fully. Somebody say, man, we got some work to do. We got some work to do. Because submitting myself fully means my spirit, my soul, my body, which entails my mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, my memory, all of my thought processes, everything totally submitted to God. We got some work to do. Okay, so we talked about it. Source is power. Now it's authority. You cannot be a channel hopper when it comes to the word. And we found a lot of people that are this way. What do I mean by a channel hopper? <laughs> mean church is church, but let, let's, put it in, let's put it in TV perspective. You turn the TV on, and it's on a channel and a picture that you really, eh, I don't really care for that. So what you do? And you keep doing that until you what? Find something that fits the mood or what you want to see or what you like. And you turn away from those things that you feel that might affect you in some kind of way or you don't like it at all. I'm, I'm one of those people when I see, when I see uh, uh, Forrest Gump, you know, a lot of people say, man, that's a good movie. When it comes on and I hear Forrest talk, I can't get past that. And I turn the TV. I, 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 can't, I can't stand to watch it. And so what I'm saying is we cannot take God's word and find the parts that make us feel good. We can't, we can't, just, we can't just flip through it and say, you know, you know, every, you know I, 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 I listen at people, I used to listen at people years ago, and they talk about Deuteronomy 28, you know. I'm going to be blessed going in, blessed coming out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when I come in, blessed when I go out. I, whatever I put my hands to is going to prosper. And, gonna, oh, and they want to read all that. But it also says, he who hearkens diligently to the voice of the Lord God. He said, these things shall happen to you. And he said, those that don't hearken, don't nobody want to read that part. <laughs> we just want to read that top part. So in other words, I'm channel hopping. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to know the part where you, what happens when you don't do it. That's right. I just want to know the part when you do do it. I want to be able to tell people, man, I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I come in. I'm blessed when I go out. I'm too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, in order to reap the whole benefit of the whole scripture, we have to be willing to come under what? All of it. All of it. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4. Look what Jesus said. Help me out, Mark. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Look what he said now. After being tempted in the wilderness 40 days and 40 nights, the tempter came to him and said, If you be the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not what? Live by bread alone, but by what? He's going to live by what? Every word. In other words, I can't go in there and pick the parts that I want and lead the parts that I don't. In other words, God is like my mama. See, if I had eaten what I wanted to eat, I wouldn't have lived past 10. Because <laughs> I would have ate cake, meat, chicken, ice cream, candy, 
drank sodas all the time, would have never drank water, and I would have been dead at probably 12. But mama knew that it took more than just cake, ice cream, chicken, and all that stuff. So mama would put some greens on the plate, some peas, some butter beans, some of that good stuff. Because she knew I needed a balanced diet. And you know what? God knows you need one too. He's a good parent. And so therefore, he, he said you got to live by every word. Not just the parts you like. Not just the part where you bless when you go in, bless when I come out. I, my God shall supply all my need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loves us. And we read all of those scriptures and we confess all those things of them. I call those things that be not as though they were. I'm healed and I'm free and I'm delivered. I'm blessed and I'm not broke and all this other stuff. We say all that kind of stuff. But there's some beans in there too. There's some peas in there. There's some rutabagas in there. Some squash. Yeah. There's some beets. All that stuff you don't like. Yeah, it's some of all that in there. Yeah. You got to have all of that in order to live. When a runner has a big run, guess what he does? He eats a whole lot of carbs because he knows the next day in that run he's going to burn them up. So he's got to have them. And that's the approach that we need to take when we take on the word of God. We need to be prepared, get all we can in us, because the world is going to give us some stuff to face. We can't pick it based on our mood. We can't pick what fit our mood. We got to pick it because we're going to need it to sustain us in life and service and ministry. We're going to need it, folks. And it's going to help us through the tests and the pressures that, of life that is, listen, is coming. Is coming. Not might, not if, but is coming. It is coming. Okay? So, a little slow today. Anyway, Nehemiah chapter 8. Not going to go through verse, verse 1 through 12, but I want to show you something with a what a what a good preacher, a good preacher and a good message should contain and what it goes, what it is all about. And 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 you have to understand the, the context of this. The people had been in war, displaced for like 70 years. They had been away from the word of God. Now they have returned back to the city and they're getting ready to build the city again. And when they're getting ready to build the city, Neil, uh, I mean Ezra came and he just sat and observed and he realized how the people were so away from the word and how they were so distant and so distracted. And so he came and just sat and looked. Okay? It says, and all the people, listen now, this is awesome. It said, all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord commanded Israel. Now, this is awesome. Can you imagine everybody in the city of Opelika gathering up there in town square and saying, teach us the word. That's what, he, that's what they were saying. They were saying, man, we have become so helpless, so hopeless. We have become so depressed, so discouraged. We've drifted so far away from God. He said, Ezra, you are a great teacher. Please teach us the word. Teach us the word. And you know what? That's the last thing that folks want this day and time, is to be taught the word. They'd rather be entertained. People want to be entertained. They want to be entertained. 
I know it might be some people in here that wish I had one of those. <laughs> I ain't got one. I don't have one. Somebody, some of y'all might wish I had that growl. <laughs> and, uh, and the loud said, yeah, y'all be standing up and clapping. Yeah, I know. But sit down. We ain't going to do that. Anyway, they, they, they looking at Ezra and they said, Ezra, I don't want you to hoot. I don't need you to growl. I need you to teach us the word. Let me tell you something. Everything has its place in its time. I'm not making light of that, okay? I want you to understand. Let me, let me tell you where that came from. Back in the day, black people were slaves. They were in bondage. They were mistreated all week long. And, 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 and when they came to church, the preacher couldn't read very well. Most. Some could. Some couldn't read at all. And what they would do they would come in and they would motivate the people so they could go out and face another week. They would just get them all emotional, get them all stirred up. You know, the preacher might, he might come over here and jump over this, you know, just, just, just get, them all, get them all wound up. You know, he'll, he might run down the aisle, you know, ain't no telling what he might not do. And he'd get them all, get them all riled up, you know, and just get everybody on fire because, you know, and, and, and they're right, and give them hope, and gave them hope, and they would, and, and they, would, uh, they, would, they would be prepared to go out and face another week. But let me tell you something, you got to have a little bit more in that now. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy, and the enemy dealt with them where they were. And that was in emotions and feelings. And, but now he's attacking us. And he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy not only you, your children, your jobs, your neighborhoods, everything. You got to know how to fight this thing. Okay. So it says now, so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. He brought the word out to them, okay? And then look what it says. Eight, eight, it says they read from the book, from the law of God. They read the word, okay? They read the word. Ezra had all these people that gathered and asked him to teach them the word, and Ezra opened the book and started to read, okay? So this is God speaking to us, and if he's speaking to us, what should we be doing? Listen. Listening. You know, most of us, we come to God, we're talking to God in songs, we're talking to God in prayer, we're expressing our love to God in giving, but this is the point where we seek to hear him speak to us. Where we seek to hear him talk to us. God, speak to me. And you know what? There's a great responsibility for the person that's speaking to deliver what God is saying to his people. I have a great obligation. A great obligation. And I'm like Ezekiel. Ezekiel said, God forbid if I don't tell you the truth. He said, the blood is on my hands. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when I stand up here, if it comes, if it come to me, it's coming out. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. 
Because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm following the Spirit. The Spirit of God is leading me. I don't know who's in here, what they need. And I'm going to say whatever come in, come up to me. If it's in your business, talk to the mailman. Like I tell folks all the time, when the mailman deliver you an eviction notice, you don't run behind the truck throwing rocks at him. He said, I'm just putting it in the box. You need to go see the man that sent it. So if y'all got a problem with what I say, don't throw rocks at me. Throw your rocks up. Because I'm just telling you what I believe God telling me to tell you. That's my responsibility. And also, you have a responsibility as a hearer to desire to hear what God say to you. And if you, unless you came like the man that remembered the eye chart, you came because you want to fool somebody and think that you make them think you can see, when the truth of the matter, you can't. Now, if you came for that, then you're going to be held accountable for that. But I'm going to do my part. I'm going to tell you what he tell me to tell you. If you leave and don't come back. Like the man on, uh, what, what name of that picture we used to watch a long time ago? I know soul train used to do it. We should love, peace, and soul. Yeah. I wish you love, peace, and soul, but I'm going to tell you what God tell me to tell you. I wish you love, peace, and soul. I have been standing in this church, and I was preaching one Sunday, and some people got up, and they walked out while I was preaching. You know why? Because I said something contrary to what they wanted to hear. I didn't know that then. I thought they, you know, thought they had a call or something. I didn't know I had done stepped on some toes. But um, you have a great, I have a great responsibility, and you have a great responsibility. And when you leave home, you ought to desire to hear from God. Amen. You ought to come through the door saying, God, don't let that man stand up there and try to entertain me. I didn't come to be entertained. I need to hear something. That's how you ought to come. If you don't come that way, then you don't need to come. You're wasting time. And so we need to hear something. And if all we do is come to worship to talk to God, to get him involved in our programs and our little situations, circumstances, God fix this, God do that, God do that. And then what about him? What about him? He wants to speak. This is why he brought us to this place and this point. This is the purpose of worship, so that God can tell you what he wants. You've been telling him your problems all week. He done heard you cry all week long. He's been listening at you fuss and gripe and complain all week long. If we are just here to tell God our story, then we are going to use him. We're just saying, God, I just need you to do some stuff for me. I don't really need you in my life. It's just like I told a police officer the other day. He came over here, and he and I were talking, detective. He and I were talking, and I told him, I said, you know, back in the day, you know, I don't know whether some of y'all remember this or not, but the police used to set up a road, a road, a speed check, a license check over by my house. And I told him, I said, back in the day, I didn't like the police. I said, I, I was like, why, why are they over here? You know, that's how, that how black folks are when they're in black neighborhoods, you know. Why are they over here? What are they doing over here? Why are they don't go somewhere else? And I had people to pull in my yard because they didn't have driver's license. You know, I was acting like I came to see you, act like I came to see you. I ain't got no license. I said, come on in the yard, man. Hey, how you doing? Where you been? Yeah, come. yeah, yeah. You seen them. 
Several of them pulled up in the yard because they didn't have no driver's license. Act like they came to visit me. I was like, what are you doing coming over here? Police could have looked at my face and knew he didn't have no license. But anyway, you know, and I was telling the police officer, I told him, I said, you know, back in the day, I didn't like the police being over in our neighborhood. And you know, people are like that now. They don't want the police around until they dial 911. And then they're like, what's taking them so long? Yeah, and that's how we are with God. We want God to be 911. We don't want to talk to him all week long. We don't want to have nothing to do with him. We don't have, want to say nothing to him. And then when something happens, we want to get on our knees and immediately he pop up in the room. Boom! But it don't work that way. And then he takes his time and he comes when he gets ready. And you're sitting there saying, yeah, we want, we want a 911 God. But I'm telling you, you ought to come in here and you want to hear whatever, you ought to be where you want to hear whatever it is God want to say. Show me me. That's what you ought to be saying. Show me what's, what's going on with me. Good, bad, ugly, or indifferent. Okay? We can't just come to talk to God if we are not ready to listen to him. To know what he wants, what concerns him. And not only was he just reading the word, he was explaining the word. Watch this. Nehemiah 8. He said, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. That's the preacher's job. I, we, we were listening to a preacher last night, and this preacher, man, he was going, he jumped from, he jumped, I bet he jumped through what, about 15, 20 scriptures? Didn't explain none of them. And all in between the scriptures, he was, he was, he, he called himself speaking in tongues, but it, it sounded like he was laughing. Ha, 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 ha. You know. I'm not making fun of the man. I'm just telling you what I heard. It's our job to make it clear, given the meaning, so that the people understand what's being read. And I'm going to tell you something. This is what I prayed for. This is what I prayed for. I asked God for an ABC gospel. I don't want nothing that somebody got to go home and say, let me look that word up he just said. Oh, that's what, I got it. Now, that's what he was trying to tell me. Because what most folks do in church, when, when, when the preacher uses a big word, they all nod their head like they know what he's talking about. They be like, I don't know what he's talking about. I ain't got a clue what that word means. But yeah, preacher, yeah, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's our job to make it clear and understood what's being read. And I'm going to tell you how simple it is. You know, a lot of churches, and I'm not knocking them, God bless them, and if God give us one, I'll take it. The truth of the matter is, you know, people, put, they, they, they came up with children's church and all this stuff. They put children, children off to the side and they have these special little things for them that, where they can jump and act wild and do all this kind of stuff. You know, but, you know, when I grew up, you were sitting in church with mama where she could pinch you, slap you, hit you, and give you the eye, do it again. I mean, my mama, I would say, do it again. Her mouth wasn't moving. Her eye was saying, one more time. And we knew this. And that's how we were trained. That's how we were raised. But I asked God for ABC gospel, and this is the fruit of it. When, 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 when him and his sister, I think y'all came together, didn't you? I believe y'all came, they came up together. They were, they were I mean, they were, they were young kids. They were young kids. When they, they heard the message, they walked up front, and they said, I want to give my life to Jesus. In church service, not in children's church. And you know what I, you know what I said to him? The first thing I said to him, did your mom and dad tell you to come up here? 
If they did, go sit back down. And this is what they told me. They said, nope. Mom and daddy didn't tell us to come up here. We heard what you said, and we want to give our life to Jesus. And guess what? That's been 10, 15 years ago or longer. And he's still serving God. Without a children's church, without a baby Sunday school, just, I'm telling you, the word of God, it, it works no matter how old you are. And it's our job to make it clear and simple so that the people can hear it and understand. To, if the message is not simple enough for the simplest person, it's too complicated. It's too complicated. The heart of preaching is explaining, make clear language, what the word of God means. And here it is. He didn't make up a message. Ezra had to explain the message that God was giving. There are a lot of churches that's doing this. Not the preacher's job try to find out what the people want to hear. No. I'm not doing a survey. I'm telling you now. I'm not doing a survey. I'm not doing a survey to find out what message y'all want to hear. I'm not doing that. My job is to hear God and then to bring it. The Holy Spirit's job is to draw the ones that need to hear that. And their job is to discern what the Word of God wants the people to hear and explain it in a way where they can understand what God is saying. Listen, Ezra did not create the message to suit the audience. He explains the message that God had already given. It is not my job to find out what y'all like. So y'all, you know, I mean, people do that. So people will keep coming. They don't want to offend nobody. Wow. Churches do not want to offend. There's one church, I think they got 30, 40,000 people in that church. And the man will not say anything about gay, lesbian, homosexual, anything contrary. I hardly ever hear him even say sin. Why? Because that makes those people happy. It makes them happy. And they enjoy it. They love it. They, they, I mean, man, you know, I mean, if I did a survey of this neighborhood and I asked all the people, what kind of church would you like to have? And they would tell me, and I'd build it. It ought to be full, right? Yeah, because I'm building it. I'm doing like Walmart. What do y'all want me to put in Walmart? You want groceries? Yeah. You want a place to get fix your car? You want to do your hair? Yep, yep. Okay, we'll put all that in there. And then the people come. This is not Walmart. And I told the guy, the guy that brought the, uh, the bounce around yesterday, I told him, I said, the name of my church is Truth and Love Ministry. That's what God gave me. That's what he told me. He said, a perfect env environment for growth is truth and love. I had heard a man preach truth, and man, he would kill him. That man last night would kill him. Everybody that man talked about last night, they going to hell, they whores, they dope, they, they, they dope dealers, they, uh, they gay, they lesbian. He, 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 he went down the line. They got earrings, they got tattoos, he named everything. And he said, they all going to hell. I ain't seen nowhere where a tattoo going to send you to hell. I haven't. But anyway. But he, he was, he was telling, telling all this stuff and God said, he said, that's the truth. He, the, the man that I used to listen to, he was telling the truth. But it, the truth is, is rough when it's by itself. 
The Bible said, the law, let the law killeth, but the spirit brings life. And so he said, he said, now I heard the other preacher say, you know, the other preacher said, God is love. He loves you. He, he loves you, Eric. He loves you. He loves you, boy. Yeah, he loves you. No matter what you do, he loves you. Yeah. I just made a fool out of him. Yeah. I mean, God does love him. But then I got to tell him the truth, too. God is justice. And this is the environment for growth. We went to Burger King the other night, the other evening. Pull up at the window. And the first words out of the lady's mouth was, we don't have any burgers. What? I said, huh? I got to buy my wife some chicken nuggets at a burger place. I didn't even ask why. Here's my point. Here's my point. This is my point. My point is, if you go to a church and that church got a sign that said Miracle Center, every now and then you ought to see one. If you go to church and they got Miracle Center, every now and then you ought to see a miracle. That's what they advertise. If you go to church and it say, it say deliverance, Every night, and you go in there and everybody bound, go on leave, they false advertising. <laughs> false advertising. Burger King was false advertising the other day. Hold the pepper, hold the letters, they telling me to hold the meat. I started asking, can I get a, a, a bun with some ketchup and mustard and some onions on it? No burgers. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. He doesn't decide on a message and find scripture to back it up. He goes to the word and allow it to determine the message. Okay? The life change is not invested in the charisma of the speaker, but in the power of the spirit God has invested in the word. Okay? You might find somebody, man, that's got a lot of charisma. They speak well. They speak so fluently. They don't do like me. They don't use some angst and some ifs and some... You know, they'll slay a verb every now and then and kill a, kill a noun. They'll put it in the wrong place. I do all of that. I do all of that. But, you know, you might find that person that's got all that charisma and speaks so well and so fluently and don't, don't split verbs and do all that stuff that I do, but there's nothing there. There's nothing there. The next thing you got to do is apply the word. Look what it says, Nehemiah 8, 9. It says, for all the people wept as they heard the word of the law. Why were these people crying? It said they wept as they heard the word of the law. He was preaching the word and people were crying. That says something about the preaching. He wasn't doing what? He wasn't stroking their ego. He wasn't telling them how good they were. He was showing them something else. He was telling them something else. He preached the word and they saw how far they were from God, from where God wanted them to be. And that is always the effect of true preaching. If you, it, it is not to make you feel good. It is not, you know, I hear people say, man, I, I went to that church. I, I, I didn't feel comfortable. Okay, okay. Might want to watch that. You might want to watch that. If you're looking for comfort, go by your lazy boy and stay at home. That's where you're going to have comfort at. Yeah. 
You can put it in whatever corner of the room you want it in. You can put it over there. You can put it over there. You can kick it all up. You can just sit in it straight. You can kick it up a little bit. You can kick it all the way back. This ain't no place of comfort. This is a hospital. This is a room of surgery. The Holy Spirit comes in here. He want to take the sword of the Spirit, and he want to cut inside of you. He want to go inside of you and see what's wrong with you, and he want to fix it. But I'm telling you, he's a sweet surgeon, man. He can come in and cut your heart out, lay it on your chest, work on it, put it back in, sew you up, and leave you out, and send you out laughing. Yeah. Preaching exalts the Savior, humbles the sinner. People that have little time, the Pharisees, they didn't have much time for Jesus. Why? Because they had what? A high opinion of themselves. Folk that don't want to hear from Jesus, they got a high opinion of themselves. When we truly see our need, our value for Jesus increases. And these folks took the Bible serious. They took it serious. They looked for how they needed to change, and that's what we need to be doing. And the last thing they did, they celebrated. Yes. Look at Nehemiah 8.10. It says, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, we read that scripture forever, but let's get into it. It said, now the word may expose who you are, but he won't ever leave you that That's way. Right. That's right. Listen at this. When there are tears on earth, there's joy in heaven. Amen. The Bible says when one sinner repents, right. heaven does what? Heaven rejoices. So when there's tears on earth, there's joy in heaven. Okay? So when God embraces me with joy, guess what? In my weakness and in my mess, he imparts to me his strength. That's what it means when it says the joy of the Lord is my strength. When God, see, when God, when, when does God get happy? When I'm crying. When I'm repenting. When I'm saying, God, I'm messed up. I need your help. Cleanse me. Change me. That's when he gets happy. And then he embraces me. And then I receive his strength. So he, he, he gets happy. He gets in joy. And then he embraces me. And that's when his joy becomes my strength. Like the prodigal son experience. This boy, he said, Daddy, give me my stuff. I've been around here too long. It don't look like you're going to ever die so I can get my inheritance. So give me mine so I can get on out of here. And the Bible said he went into a, a, a strange town, spent all his, his, his uh, money with riotous living. He came to the place where he was feeding hogs. He got so hungry he wanted to eat what the hogs were eating. And he came to himself. He said, my father have Servants that's living better than this. He said, I go to my father and I say to my father, I sinned against heaven in your sight. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. He said, make me one of your hired servants. And then he came, the father saw him, ran to him, fell on his neck and kissed him. And he came to his daddy. He says, daddy, I sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Now that's amazing to me. This is an amazing story. Because look at here now. This is what he said. This is what the son said. Okay. But this is what the father said. But the father said to his servants. Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And then he said, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and do what? Celebrate. Celebrate. Because when we cry, guess what God does? Celebrate. He celebrates. And when the son, when the daddy came out with joy and reached to his son, the joy of the father was the son's strength. Amen. He said, for this, my son was dead and was alive again, he was lost and was found. And they began to celebrate 
when there are tears on earth, there's joy in heaven. When we come to the place where we messed up and we see what we need to change, guess what? God himself. God himself. God himself reaches out with joy and embraces us. And his joy. Give me strength to move on. Grace and truth. Grace and mercy came through Christ. And that makes all things possible for you. Can you see? This is what preaching is supposed to be. Reading, explaining, humbling us, applying the word, celebrating the word. And these are not words of men about God. These are words from God to men. This is what God is saying to us. This is the ministry of preaching. It is not for us to feel good or to have comfort. It is for us to see ourselves. The Holy Spirit should be working, should be moving. He should be talking to you. He should be speaking to you. He should be challenging you. He should be showing you you. And when he does, you ought to be humbling yourselves. You ought to be trying to say, Holy Spirit, show me how to apply this word to myself. And then once you do, you ought to be celebrating and realizing that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let us pray. Thank you, sweet Jesus. Thank you, sweet Jesus. Thank you for true worship. Thank you for the ministry of the word. Thank you for bringing forth men that you've called, that you've raised up to be your mouthpiece. I pray that we seek to hear you, want to hear from you, want to know what your will is concerning us, what your desire is to us, what you would have for us to do. I pray that as we go through the elements of worship, we'll see where our part is and where we fit in and how we should be interacting with you in worship. Even as the word is going forth, we should be listening for what the Lord is saying to us and asking him for help in bringing it forth and bringing it about in our lives. That we may bear fruit that's worthy and brings you glory. We bless you for it. We praise you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you subscribe and share with someone you know. And tune in next week for more sermons from Truth and Love Ministries.